This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome back to the show, where we talk about shows with our friends. And in today's episode, we are talking about episodes two and three of the Netflix original Longmire. This was Eli's show. So Eli, take it away, buddy. Longmire. It's a cool name, Longmire. It's sort of evocative. And we just watched... Two and three, and for anyone who thought this might become more fun or soapy or light, we're sorry to tell you, spoiler alert, (laughs) it stays on some pretty intense, heavy stuff. And really, especially I think just sort of the overall um, feeling and um, what this show really is. Um, I think we did get a good sense in the pilot, right? So episodes two and three are, in a way, you know, mini capers, right? They do have always, it seems now, through the first three, uh, a detective story, a whodunit within the episode to some degree. And, of course, they advance the story of our flawed hero and of all the supporting cast really three especially is a great fun one for the whole sheriff's department so steve as a first time watcher yeah so we're heading into two off this pilot in our last discussion and how did you feel the story and you know just heading right into this new i guess mini caper as we've coined and continue to call these uh, types of episodes, begins. Uh, how did you feel about the show? And also, you know, coming on the heels of so much going on and so much exposition, how did you feel? You know, that these episodes sort of took us off on a on a flight or not? Uh, what was your first impressions heading into two and three? Two and three. Yeah, I was excited to get, as you said, kind of through all the exposition from the pilot, getting to know everybody, getting to know the players and the characters. And I thought two and three just, you are in this world of Walt Longmire, right? I mean, (laughs) it's, uh, like I said in our previous podcast episode, it was a lot to digest for a pilot. And for me, kind of harkens back to these older shows that I used to watch you know, with my parents, I think I referenced Murder, She Wrote in the pilot, but like Matlock or anything that's just sort of has a kind of single, we call them mini capers, but just a single episode arc where there's a good guy and a, you know, where there's a bad guy and, and a mist and a crime. And, and so I, I think overall, like really interesting and, and definitely, it's definitely a good show. I was watching it uh, with my wife and she was like, are you going to watch another episode? Because that show wasn't bad. 
Like it was, <laughs> you know, it was pretty good. And so overall, I just last night I watched three. Um, I really liked two. I really like, I mean, I liked them both, but I liked they're giving you these larger story arcs and twists and things happening with the characters sort of throughout these that thread throughout, you know, the episode. Um, I thought the themes of the third one were kind of really cool with his sort of spiritual journey and how it was tied into nature and living, living things, other living beings, horses. Mm. That opening of three was overall like pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. That as an episode was really satisfying. And the, and that guy, I think it's C Thomas Howell, who's like a big eighties actor played the, um, the guy who faked his own death in in episode three there and and uh, Ray Oscar Ray, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was really Oscar. <laughs> it's like Ray. Johnny Frank, right? Because he's a another mobster <laughs> hiding out. It's Oscar Ray. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, so I think again, we just get back to this notion that our hero is a little flawed, a little, a little broken. You know, like off his game, has lost a step. You know, and that he's. He seems to really be trying to get back or yeah, kind of, I don't say redemption, but just sort of find himself again, right? Without his partner. And um, there was a sense I thought too, and especially with episode two, that um, he's very lonely, mm. you know, like the whole discovery that his daughter might be dating someone. Right. And then the phone call at the end was really more kind of like, he's just alone. Yeah. And uh so I found that really fascinating and then and then like I said the spiritual journey and really kind of like almost seeing with him with his shirt off was interesting too because he's just not a typical leading man. He's not super ripped and going to like beat everybody up, you know. He's like he's got his intellect and his instincts and his knowledge and his gun, <laughs> you know, and then he'll, he'll throw himself at a dude, right. That, that sort of physical fight at the end of three was, right. he's, 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 uh, he's a brawler, you know? And I, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's, he's definitely in this sort of old school mold in many ways. And one is just, yeah, as you're saying, he's like, he's not cut, he's not young, right. He's not, I mean, he's, handsome dude right but he's not like a, a pretty sort of creature you know like we have now with leading men like the hemsworth brothers and you know alexander yeah, skarsgård and right like yeah but even the even the older leading men you know in his age range are more buff and like cut sure. you know and and have that more like superficial sort of element to their acting yeah I think of uh the guy from Quantum Leap, I can't remember his name. Stop, ba Scott Bakula, right? Like Bacula. that. Bakula, yeah, right. exactly. Like he's, but he's yeah, not you, that. No, he's not that. But if you think back to like those older, older shows, you know, your parents era that you were talking about, like, um, you know, Tom Selleck, yeah. had a big mustache, but he wasn't like ripped. He was like dad strong kind of and so you know in matlock i mean even funnier right like as a physical specimen like they weren't that either so it's um yeah it sort of harkens back to that while also 
in a way being kind of steeped in that in between period sort of you're mentioning with quantum leap yeah, and that stuff right it's like it feels almost like 80s early 90s uh in the sort of style yet it harkens back to an older era but yet of course as we said in the last episode is set in modern day time so he is this really uh throwback but just fascinating hero and yeah when you see him in the shower and you see that he's not cut, mm-hmm. right? But also that he's like deeply scarred. And yeah. he just looks like, and he goes through it, right? He gets beat up in that fight towards the end of three. Like he, like we said in one, he's, the world is just spitting him up and chewing him out. And, but he's ready to face it again. And yeah, he's not this like big, muscled, imposing figure, but. He'll absolutely just go toe to toe with this mob hitman and beat him up, you know? And the way, actually, I think it's, you know, just speaking to all this we're talking about right now, the way he actually punches him out in that scene, too, isn't the stylized sort of violence we see today. It's just brute force. And it does, it's funny, I was thinking about it, it does harken a little bit to what we were talking about in like the justified sort of style of Western more, but. He's mm-hmm. just, he it just takes him a couple slugs. It takes right? him a couple it's, slugs, and it you can tell it's like a toll on him to put this much right. force into. But he's got to knock this guy out and end this. And it's yeah, it's just a really uh, amazing uh, sort of visceral um, scene, and just further reinforcing everything we're saying about this lead character. So yeah, what a an interesting emotional. Sp- spiritual and physical journey so far for wall definitely definitely and structurally it's cool like i said they kind of put these threads in that keep you wanting to continue watching the show to figure out like what are the scars on his back right now they're showing you flashbacks of him getting fixed up on the res right so what quick and dirty like in a you Does know. it have to do with the co- the chief of police there? Doesn't you know? I mean, it's all this stuff. The exactly. daughter and and then all the crimes within the story within the episode. So it's keeping you engaged, kind of on both fronts. You can sit down for you know about whatever it is forty forty five minutes to watch an episode of this. Yeah, and you're like, you feel like you've watched a complete thing, like digested a complete story, and also want to see what's going on with this character and what the backstory is. Um, Totally. And we're getting so much good backstory little by little. Um, But sort of to that point about, you know, the pilot and um, this sort of theme we've been talking about, about what is the show and um, how are they continuing this sort of longer arc within this episodic format and more detective format. Um, I feel like by three, and you, you know, were kind of alluding to how much you liked three and the themes in three. I think three's just a stellar episode. And, you know, in the past, you, I think, have said at least once that the second episode of one of our series was, your, you know, your favorite second episode ever. And I don't know if three's like the, the best ever third episode, but it's really strong. And as our format is to watch the first three, it's once again really, really bringing us in more in the third episode to that deeper story, longer arc, 
all of the deputies are in on this final, you know, shootout, holdout at um, at the ranch, which is just such yeah. a fun scene and, you know, somewhat of an archetype we've seen, you know, before, but really fun the way this goes down and they do it. And we get, uh, you know... It was cool, yeah. It started, like, snowing in the middle snowing, of the whole thing. And we get a glimpse into Ferg, or Deputy Ferguson, our bumbling oh, yeah. uh, sort of bottom-of-the-food-chain deputy, and that heart-wrenching scene at the end of three where he thinks, you know, he's messed up so bad and it was just a favor anyway. He's, like, not cut out for this work, tries to give his badge yeah. back. Yeah, Eli, there's two reasons why I have you on this podcast with me. <laughs> One is that you're my friend. Okay. And two, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's up that was there. A good line. That was a good. That was that was a good one. It's up there really with uh, you know best lines in. Uh, yeah, in he's a, starting to he's starting to uh, demand my attention in certain scenes with yeah. his style a little bit. And, and and I think we talk about we certainly talked about episode twos a bunch on this podcast, but I think episode three for a lot of shows is when they really take flight. Right. And like you're like you were saying, um, getting into like larger arcing themes, stories, storylines and uh, character. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Arcs and and this this was very true for episode three. It really, really took off and got everybody on board. And and it was his office. You know that bumbling the the deputy who made the mistake and then shows up and feeling so bad and it's just i like like this is his team he's not he's not like he's not like being a he's not like a hard ass boss you know he's just like these are the people that are doing this job it's like a thankless job and they deserve respect you know like and so i just i liked it and and when he went into the barn and the firefighter was like, oh, it's not safe. Wear my, wear my hat. I got my own hat. Like, <laughs> it was a little kind of like macho, macho moment. But uh, in the scenes when he was interrogating the wife in three, it's just he's starting to really lock me in like his work. And this happens when like it's a good leading man and you start mm. picking up on their idiosyncrasies as an actor and like what they're doing with this character. And I just, um, he's doing a good job of demanding a lot of focus in a lot of these moments and making them kind of special. So with the, with that secondary character at the end, for sure. Yeah. And he does have some, uh, some great lines in these and, um, especially in three and it's not, you know, that one, like, I've got my own hat, and two is, like, you know, borderline cheese. 
and I wouldn't call this show cheesy, but you know, it does lean in sometimes to these little fun aspects or genre aspects. And there's so much more, of course, you know, that's going to be revealed as, as we continue in all these, you know, longer arcs advance. And there's just some little, little glimpses so far into a lot of different, you know, backstory, side story. Um, we do get a little more uh, of Ferg, but we have yet to actually hear about what happens that Vic or Victoria ended up here, right? We know she's from, from Philadelphia. Philadelphia right? We know she had to move and we don't know why. And then Branch, we still just don't know who Branch is uh, so much other than he's the guy gunning for Walt's job and he's the, he thinks he's sort of the smart talking, you know, uh, political, politically savvy or schmoozing. Um, and he's sleeping with his daughter, and there's all kinds of layers of <laughs> how he's all up in, in Walt's life. It's pretty <laughs> crazy, occur. right? And you don't know how long <laughs> yeah. that's been going on, but you have to suppose that all of this is a result of Walt's year off, right? So this is something that I think is cool when, um, and it makes sense, right? Like shows, especially TV shows, often start us at an inflection point, and the exposition lets us know, you know, sort of what came before. But that's a different show. Walt's Year of Depression is a different show. And I'm psyched we're seeing, you know, this, sh this show. And uh, that show could be interesting, too. But this is fascinating because we get to see, as we've said many times, Walt climbing back out of the whole Walt reasserting himself. And I mm -hmm. think in these three, we do really see that while, you know, uh, his buddy admits you, yes, you have lost a step, Walt. Um, he still is a step ahead of pretty much everyone else. So he hasn't yeah. actually lost it, right? Yeah, totally, totally. And that's great. And yeah, as you were saying in three, you know, when he's investigating and he's questioning the wife and he reads people, right? And you're starting to get the sense that some of what he does is to watch the people. So whether or not he thought she was responsible, he's, what he's doing is always to read the people and he's just got this. And I think this can be said for a lot of these like amazing detectives. They have sort of a, a sixth sense or almost uh, an innate ability to just read people in the situation. And that is coming through. And, you know, we've mentioned some of the spiritual aspects um, with animals, both his connection to horses, but also the owl or owls. We don't know if it's the same one um, in the first episode. And uh, then the, you know, both being stitched up in, you know, somewhere on the res, but also then <laughs> getting a call in what's some sort of, you know, sweat or Native American ceremony. It's just fascinating um, how this is all woven together and also um, how we are still, you know, each episode interested in this mystery. Um, so just an amazing job of 
weaving, as we've been saying, sort of the episodic or mini episode with these longer arcs and keeping the show really grounded in their reality, this amazing place, this intense stuff going on there, the spiritual, the history, everything going on. Yeah, and, and they're covering a lot, right? So we're three episodes in, and they each individual mini caper or like case within each each episode is all very specific and unique and showed a bunch of, I think it was the second episode was the Mennonites, right. that whole culture of the kind of the Amish in that area and um, the religious, um, strict religious, you know, theme and that whole sequence where he met, figured out to meet the mom on that road, I thought was really cool in the dark. Right. And was this sort of like setting up his like ability to kind of intersect, interject himself, like do that real detective stuff where you're like figuring out where the person's going to be at what time. And you're like intersecting like the plan of yeah. the caper of what's going on. Totally. And that, that in a way separates this show from what, you know, a traditional Western or a traditional cop show would be. It's like, it is this extra step. And in the pilot, they sort of, you know, shadowed it when, you know, when he, he took out the Sherlock Holmes book, it's just, it's, I find it really fascinating yeah. that he, you know, in this frontier Western setting, this position of sheriff and everyone's got cowboy hats on and everything's about like guns and like the open, you know, nature, it's just you got this dude who is at heart a real detective and like an old school detective. Yeah. And it's like he could be anywhere. He could be in Chicago. He could be like he would just be this detective wherever he was. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And he knew a lot about the Mennonite culture, right? And that just speaks to his detective nature and that old school, you know, just... I'm going to solve this crime because I've done my research and I'm paying attention to every detail and keeping, you know, my mind open and not getting caught in the traps that everyone else gets caught in, right? And we see that a little bit with him and Branch, but just all the other deputies and people involved in everything are following the obvious, you know, signs and he's able to see that next level, you know, which is, can be called dialectic sometimes. It's basically when someone's pointing, right, everyone's looking where they're pointing, but you got to look at the hand pointing, right? And so it's this like mm -hmm. one layer removed that he's operating on. And it's, yeah, it's great to see it in this setting. And how fascinating too that I mean, I actually did know a little bit about Mennonite culture because um, I know there's a large population in uh, Pennsylvania where, of course, there's Amish and Quaker. Um, and then I didn't realize, you know, that there would also be potentially a Mennonite community out there, right? So right. Um, I think it also continues to surprise us with just all the elements going on there and how much Walt has to like sort of have a handle on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it also really, these three episodes sort of spread out the, the mysteries, the action, um, the crimes across 
you know, a lot of different themes. It's just, it's fascinating, as you were saying, how much does happen and is packed into these first three episodes and especially, you know, two and three, and especially heading, you know, from two into three and through three, that really feels like, wow, we're like cruising, but yet so rich and we just know there's so much more to learn too, right? Yeah, two ends with the branch and the daughter reveal right at the end, Mm. which was a good misdirect because they sort of pumped up Branch and Vic's like flirting on the job right. thing for that whole episode, and then, um, and even before that, in one too. So you weren't. It was a good little little twist there. Um, I was thinking the twist was going to be that the daughter was with Vic, that it was like <laughs> a lesbian relationship. But um, yeah, they burned. They burned me a bit. And I mean, we talk about shows, you know, in a way in so much competition between all these different kinds of shows and streaming. And, and I think one of the things that shows try to do, they make the biggest, boldest choice, separate themselves. So I think that whole intertwining branch into not only running against him as in the sheriff's race, he is having a relationship. Maybe it's friends with benefits. Maybe it's more, we don't quite know yet. Um, hooking up for sure with his daughter. <laughs> and then also they've, they're maintaining this kind of working relationship where it's still, he still has like an apprentice, like it, it is still like a mentor apprentice like re- relationship on the job. And he tries to flex branch, like has some good instincts. You kind of see him trying to flex like what, um, it's not. It's more complex than just like you're running against me and I don't like you or sure. I'm gonna take your job. Like it's. I, I I think that it's a mature kind of rivalry, but also they have to work together because that's. It's not safe otherwise, right? If they can't trust each other, ultimately. Totally. Which really I thought came through when the whole team was in that big shootout and everyone had to like pitch in and get on, get on, you know, get on board and little sequence when he did a distraction and he ran around and got in the house. Like it was, it was cool to see them face a challenge in real time as opposed to like kind of showing up and they even kind of were together too with the horse situation. They weren't like necessarily at odds, you know, they were kind of working as a team. So I find that to be cool. But what it does is it adds. There's just a lot of drama there <laughs> between you know between those dudes and in that spot right. and well and someone on the team. Yeah, and it's not like there's no signs that it would abate, right? It's like going to ratchet up, probably, right? Yeah, because this election yeah. is going to happen, and who knows what happens with you know him and Katie. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's building. But like you said, everyone's sure. everyone's got something going on that works for him. Mm-hmm. And it's like what whatever um, Vic's story is, and then you have what is the other guy's name? Ferg, deputy Ferg. Ferguson. Yeah, you, then you got Ferg, who doesn't really believe in himself. You know, like it's, yeah. so. There's a lot. It's cool. But shows up to the shootout in a muscle car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Uh, he shows up. He's like, we we got a Ferg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you see and you, you know, while it says it in that scene, basically, like, 
you know, Vic's like, yeah, we would isolate a three block radius and call in the SWAT team. <laughs> and, uh, and Walt's like, yeah, we don't have SWAT, but we got the Ferg, right? And it's in that scene. And then he's like, eventually he's like, all right, we got to call Branch. We need backup. And then Branch is like, should we call Matthias and the res cops? You know, and he's like, no, 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 no. Like, but that's it. Like, it's the four of them. And so, yeah, it does set up this, like, they have to really, like, be on the same team and not let stuff seep too much into their work because their lives are on the line. I mean, they're being shot at for real, for real. So it is, it is, uh, it's fun. And and it it definitely, you know, sets up a collision course. And, you know, of course we won't get ahead of, of the plot or anything, but, um, you know, that I can't, I can't get ahead because I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. No, I mean, Um, you know, and just supposing like what, what might oh, happen sure, or, sure. you know, election results, what that might spur. Yeah, but I tell you what I do know. Nobody has a problem shooting at the police in this show. <laughs> <laughs> they just open fire on the cops, ask questions later. It's like... It's pretty like, wild and literally <laughs> wild west uh, in that way. And I also noticed that we're in the pilot wall, you know, that sort of last chase scene, he pulls out the pump action and he just... Mm-hmm shoots that guy right like he's not gonna let him get away but in several scenes in two or really more three but sort of the second and third ones especially three he uses a lot of restraint um but it is in two as well like he doesn't shoot the brother right he like chases yeah. him down and they go through that awful scene where you're seeing the flashback of what actually happened to hannah and um so he's not a shoot first, ask questions later type of cop. Whereas, of course, we keep referencing it, so um, we'll try not to reference it too much since we didn't cover Justified. But you know, Raylan Givens, um, the right. main character in Justified, is way more a shoot first, ask questions later cop. And that's a whole like uh, quick draw kind of theme, wasn't exactly. that like an element of that show? Right? Was Absolutely. It's like this modern day shootist. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that harkens back to that traditional Western mold so much more. So yeah. yeah, it is amazing this this balance and Yeah, and I I draw the comparison with Longmire that he's this detective and when we get to these moments, especially in the second one with the brother, it's like I feel like he's already put it together that it's an accident. Oh, yeah. Like it's not like a situation like the first one. He put together that this dude was the bad guy and he needed to be like knock it away, right? So that just showed you too in the pilot that he will make, he will do that kill strike or he will, you know, he will take out the bad guy when called upon. Absolutely. Right? This, yeah. What you're, what you're seeing is a more complex side of him that it's not, he's like you said, he's not going to shoot first, ask questions later. He's, he's going to figure out what's, what, what is going on. Yeah. He's going to f- solve the crime and then dole out, you know, the appropriate justice response. And, I think he came in with the gun and at the end of three, and the hitman was holding the the wife hostage and shooting the floor, right? So he didn't have a shot to get that guy ultimately, right. and he wasn't going to risk the hostage in that moment. So he went for the full tackle, the linebacker move. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> a pretty... Intense scene, and you're expecting him to take the shot, right? Because that's what happens now often in that type of a scene. He's like, 
got to have the yeah, perfect shot. Yeah, he had such shot. a shot with the, in the pilot. He had such a shot, right, with the shot, you know, that established, like, he yeah. is a good shot. So oh, yeah. he probably could have, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's fascinating, um, you know, that as we close out three, we come back, I feel like, because two is much more about the detective work, right? It's not much brute force. And then three, we have the shootout and he has to, he's exercised restraint. He's figured out where Ray Oscar is. He's like, you know, done everything he can, but now he just has to go in. Right. And he's like, all right, so what's going to happen? I'm going to go in, take this guy out and you're going to, you know, he tells the detective or the uh, <laughs> detective, see, and there you go. The, the deputies, the plan and he goes and he has to be that strong man, the brute force the leading man the john wayne whatever we want to call him in that moment and so we have been brought into his world you know so much and through two and three we're actually and maybe in one you know the pilot as well we just maybe weren't as attuned to it but definitely um by the end of three we're also starting to understand a little more about how his life his mind his crime solving works and we're shown little clues in two and three about stuff so we're starting to get actual little um little drops little little uh foreshadowing for sure but you know just little i guess sort of nuggets um about you know his process and so i think that's yeah. cool as well to start to understand how he thinks and works and solves these crimes, not just be impressed by, you know, him solving it. Yeah. He likes a cold beer too. We know that. <laughs> but only Rainier. Only Rainier. Is that a real beer or do they make that up for the show? No, yeah. So that's a great um, sort of, I guess, regional... Um, shout out and regional beer. So Rainier is named after Mount Rainier um, and is, I've seen in the Pacific Northwest. And it is what it's, you know, if people drink PBR in some places, yeah. uh, Miller High Life, Miller Light, maybe even, you know, a can of Tecate if you're in San Francisco, like that go-to really like light, cheaper beer in the whole like Pacific Northwest and this part of just the Northwest, I don't even know what you call this part of, I guess Northwest, um, yeah. Rainier is that beer. And it's very, very uh, strongly sort of supported. You know, people are really loyal to Rainier. So if you go into a dive bar in the Pacific Northwest and you order a PBR, people know you're not local. <laughs> right. But it is like the cheap, just cheap, light, just session crushable beer as well. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's that's cool that they they incorporated that. And uh, yeah, if anyone's listening from Rainier, you know, feel free to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, and there might be an opportunity to sponsor because now we have to make a decision, right? That is true, Steve. With with any show, uh, it is after the third episode that 
you being the person having newly watched these episodes gets to decide if we keep watching this first season or if we say, you know what? That was fun. However, I'm ready for something new. So, Steve, do you want to continue watching Longmire? You know what? I think I do. I think there's been enough here that sort of separates itself from these kinds of shows that I've seen, whether they're Westerns, whether they're cop shows, whodunit shows. This is like a very interesting twist on it. So I think it'd be fun to watch the rest of the first season, get together and kind of talk about it and really kind of see where these overarching story, story arcs and character arcs go that, that they've threaded through now the first three episodes. Definitely. I, want, I, I really do want to know what's going on with his back, what, what his literal backstory is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop there and finish out this great discussion today by just thanking our friends listening once again and reminding everyone for our current and newer format for the last several shows, we now watch the rest of the first season before coming back to talk about it. So that's going to be four through 10 uh, streaming on Netflix. And then Steve and I'll be back in a couple weeks or so to chat about that, the whole first season and the culmination of these stories and themes and just what we thought about this first season as a whole. So thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. It'll be a lot of fun. So please join us to watch the rest of season one of Longmire. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.